Welcome to My American Melting Pot, the podcast where we tell stories and have conversations that meet at the intersection of race and real life. I'm your host, Lori L. Tharps. I'm an author, a journalist, a mother of three, and a self-proclaimed diversity diva. I'm really glad you're here today because... That's right. Today is our one-year anniversary. Yay! Yay! And I hope you'll stick around as I reminisce about this year-long journey and share my top 10 lessons learned after 22 multicultural melting pot episodes. And bonus, I'll also be sharing some exciting updates and big wins for some of our past guests. So much celebrating is about to go down. So let's get to it. Okay, Melting Pot community, I launched this podcast one year ago on November 23rd, 2018. I had high hopes and big dreams for this little podcast, and I'm happy to say that they've all come true. Except for that part about the podcast being picked up by Gimlet Media, quitting my nine to five and getting that corner office next to Alex Bloomberg. I'm, I'm just kidding. Well, not really, but anyway, we'll go on. Seriously, though, I wanted to create a podcast that I'd want to listen to one that explored content with a multicultural theme that provided life lessons and laughs that left listeners feeling both inspired and informed. And I think I've accomplished that. At least I can assume so based on some of the reviews we've been receiving. Like this one. This was submitted by Ebex. Ebex writes, Insightful Podcast. Lori Tharps explores important topics in American pop culture and race. Topics that aren't always comfortable to talk about. The show is thought-provoking and leads the listener to question societal norms around the question of race and culture. Well, thanks, Ebex. Glad to do it. Here's another one from Deli C. Deli C writes, Great podcast. Lori Tharps explores topics I have never given much thought until now. Like racist technology. Who knew? And she does so in a witty, insightful, entertaining, and thought-provoking way. Plus, I love the Melting Pot Minute. Wow, I'm blushing. Thanks. So these reviews totally give me life and keep me motivated because they show me that I'm doing exactly what I set out to do. Most importantly, helping my audience learn something new. Even if it's just a new way of thinking of a familiar tradition or regular habit. And I think I learn just as much as all of you if not more, because I'm bringing in really great guests who have so much to share and are really smart. The conversations that we have make me think about things in totally different ways. So let me tell you what my takeaways are after 22 episodes of the My American Melting Pot podcast. These are my top 10 lessons learned. Lesson one, Thanksgiving is a lie. Others have pointed out the great irony of the fact that Thanksgiving takes place during a month that's supposed to be about Indigenous and Native American heritage. November is a month where we're supposed to be centering Indigenous folks. And yet, even in Thanksgiving, we see their erasure, we see their marginalization, we see the the mythology of this holiday that has, for far too long, really miseducated Americans about the realities that Native folks have been living with. So I don't know that 
rethinking Thanksgiving still looks like a celebration. I think, you know, one of the things we have to be willing to do is to maybe give up the warm and fuzzy holiday that many of us grew up with and rethink it and say, well, maybe it's a day of mourning, not just for Indigenous people, but for all of us who want to say that Indigenous lives matter. On episode 11, I was joined by Dr. Crystal Fleming, author of the book, How to Be Less Stupid About Race. And we talked about how to be less stupid about Thanksgiving. Main takeaway, Thanksgiving is just one big lie that promotes the myth of the happy Indian and erases the atrocities done to Native Americans by the United States government and subsequently by the United States citizens. Yeah, that means you and me. For many Native Americans, Thanksgiving is a day of mourning. It's a holiday to boycott. Or it's a celebration of indigenous people's resistance. I never thought about it that way in the past, but I do now. Lesson two. Technology can be racist, and I might be killed by a self-driving car. Something like a video game, it doesn't seem like a very big deal. But again, when you put that into a self-driving car, which is a two-ton killing machine, I'm really worried about the idea that self-driving cars are going to be out there with image recognition and image sensing technology that does not recognize people of color. And there's going to be a disparate impact in terms of who gets killed. On episode two, I was joined by author and journalist Meredith Broussard. Meredith is the author of the book Artificial Unintelligence, How Computers Misunderstand the World. And while she was on the show, Meredith explained that basically because human beings are racists and human beings program computers, then it is a fair assumption that computers and most forms of technology can, in fact, also be racist. And the scary thing that I took away was about self-driving cars when we talk about racist technology. Because the technology that allows self-driving cars to quote-unquote see has been engineered where it cannot actually see skin with melanin. So the likelihood that people of color, i.e. me, will be run over by self-driving cars in greater numbers than their white counterparts is a real concern. I'm concerned. This isn't exactly a happy takeaway, but it does inspire me to speak up and not be afraid to include my voice in any conversation about technology. Lesson number three. Self-publishing is a form of activism when it comes to creating children's books that are inclusive. I did have to get over the stigma because there's a lot of stigma around self-publishing and people call it just, oh, it's a vanity thing. And I, I wasn't operating out of a sense of vanity. I wanted to have books that served the kids in my community. And the fact that the industry, the traditional publishing industry, had no interest or investment in the kids in my community meant that I was going to have to find an alternative. On episode number six, I was joined by publishing powerhouse and author extraordinaire Zeta Elliott. Zeta has authored over 30 books for young readers and shows no signs of stopping. When she came on the show, she had me so inspired by all of the magical, amazing science fiction stories she wanted to write, and she had me fired up with rage with the resistance that she regularly meets from mainstream publishers because she centers her stories around the lives of Black and brown children. And apparently there's some idea that Black and brown children don't need magic in their lives, but they do. And when the publishing industry tells Zeta Elliott no, she doesn't shelve her story ideas. She publishes them herself. 
and starts writing again. Lesson four, the struggle is real for families that don't match. You know, it has crossed my mind that particularly if for any reason me or my husband are separated from each other in the airport and just one of us is with our kids, for example, I think it would be maybe a little bit more of an issue of me with the girls rather than my husband with the girls since they do have quote unquote, black presenting hair. I don't think it's like a stretch for them to be like, oh, these are your daughters. For me, it hasn't really been an issue, but it does cross my mind that, hey, if there's any reason where I need to demonstrate that, yeah, these are actually my children, um, you know, so that Cindy McCain doesn't report me for child trafficking. (laughs) (laughs) That's my new reason now. (laughs) Um, That, you know, having the passports handy is useful. On episode number eight, Carmen Sugnovi joined me to talk about the joys and challenges of traveling as a multiracial family. Carmen is the founder of the Top Flight Family website. She's Asian-American, her husband is African-American, and they have two mixed-race daughters. And while Carmen had many positive examples of traveling with her multiracial family, she did admit that there were extra steps that she had to take sometimes to make sure that her family would be seen as a family when traveling together. Things like carrying passports, even when they were traveling domestically. Other Melting Pot listeners offered up their own examples of microaggressions and extra steps they had to take when they were traveling as well. Now, even though I myself have a family that doesn't match, it just made me realize that, yeah, the struggle is real. The issues that people deal with from being stopped at customs longer or even being stopped by the police for suspicion of kidnapping one's own child makes me realize that there are real issues that families who don't match have to deal with. And I'm sure this topic is going to come up again here on The Melting Pot. Lesson number five, I am now addicted to the Netflix show Working Moms. This is not really a lesson that anybody needs to pay attention to, but I just wanted to put it out there that this was my takeaway from episode number 10, where I was joined by Entertainment Weekly editor Clarissa Cruz. On episode 10, we were talking about interracial friendships, BFFs, and bromances depicted on TV and movies, and we came up with a lot of great examples. And just because I can, I'd like to add one more example, which is the new Netflix movie starring Alfre Woodward called Juanita. Now, in that film, it features an amazing ensemble cast of mostly African-American and Native American actors and actresses. I was really impressed. Didn't think the movie was that great, but I love the fact that I was watching Native American and African-American people in a contemporary romantic drama. So, I wouldn't say that Hollywood has completely gotten the melting pot memo. Some of their offerings that do have interracial relationships are still feeling very token-like. And to be honest, working moms that I am completely addicted to feels exactly like that. But I would say that I am seeing more and more interracial relationships that are not based on romance. And that's a great way to help redefine the narrative of diversity and cross-cultural relationships. So thumbs up there. Lesson number six, white supremacy doesn't love you. That's the crux of it. We could all be directing our energy in so many other places. White supremacy is a liar. It is jealous. It is a distraction. It wants all of your energy. Imagine what we could be doing if we didn't have to do this. All of us. Because, again, it's not just a black fight. 
It's not just a people of color fight. It is an all of us fight because we all, all, you know, it's like when Obama used to always say rising tides lift all ships. Same thing. On episode 11, I was joined by Akiba Solomon and Kenria Rankin, the authors of the new book, How We Fight White Supremacy. And on the episode, we took a deep dive into unpacking white supremacy and all the ways it hurts our society. It seems pretty obvious that white supremacy is oppressive to black and brown folks, but Akiba and Kenria also explained all the ways white supremacy and its evil little helpers like homophobia and classism is harming white people as well. Meaning we should all, black, brown, white, whatever, be engaged in the fight against white supremacy. Lesson number seven. This is important. Fried chicken is an international delicacy because it's cheap and delicious. What is it that makes good chicken, fried chicken flavor? Is it just salt? I was just going to say, (laughs) the thing that makes fried chicken taste good is mostly just salt. On episode 15, we went on a quest to discover what culture owns the right to claim fried chicken. Turns out fried chicken is an international delicacy and Black Americans, Koreans, and Guatemalans all believe that their version of the fried fowl is the best. Now, I can't disagree, but I'm super glad to know that pretty much anywhere I go in the world, I'll be able to find some delicious deep-fried bird. Lesson number eight. Talking to kids about race doesn't only mean talking about racism. You cannot legislate hate away, right? So you have to actively pursue these things, right? right? And there's all different ways that you can do it, but you have to be intentional about it. On episode 18 of the podcast, we had a truly enlightening conversation about how to talk to kids about race. Well, I have never shied away from talking about race with my children, I never really thought about getting in front of the conversation, about being proactive instead of being reactive about the topic. I tended to be the person who was ready for any possible situations my kids might bring home to me or that we see on the news or something like that. But thanks to my super smart guests, Eileen Flanagan, Lisa Nelson Haynes, and Homa Tavangar, I'm trying to be more proactive instead of reactive. I want to teach my children what being anti-racist can look like instead of only burdening them with what racism looks like. It's a mind switch, but it's a very powerful one. Lesson number nine. Spain doesn't celebrate Black History Month, but they should. Doing the research for my Black in Spain audio memoir, I discovered so much information about Spain's hidden Black history. Yes, I'd already written a book and a magazine article that touched on this history, but there's so much more information available now. Documentaries, books, conferences. It feels like critical mass in a country that is also now home to a growing Black population. In other words, it's high time to start celebrating Black History Month in Spain. Maybe that'll be my next project. And last but not least, my 10th lesson learned after 22 episodes of the My American Melting Pot podcast, diversity needs defending and defining, and I'm the one to do it. The other day, I was scrolling on Twitter, and I saw a tweet that read, quote, diversity is for white people. 
I was crushed because, as you all know, I consider myself a diversity diva. I'm diversity's biggest fan. Diverse books? Yes. Diverse movies? Yes. Diverse houses of worship? I'm down. Diversity is my jam. But if diversity is for white people, does that mean I'm not really black? Or the dreaded, maybe I'm just not black enough? Because I stand for diversity? I'm not accepting that. Just like I argued in episode number 13 and in episode 17, diversity works, and I believe it is our best hope for solving some of the world's greatest problems. This podcast may not be everybody's cup of tea, but this podcast is where I can defend diversity and help redefine the narrative of diversity by showing how we all win when cultures cross over, connect, and collaborate. To me, that's diversity in action. And ultimately, that's what I love celebrating here on The Melting Pot. So take that, diversity haters. Love the diversity diva. Wait a minute. I have one last takeaway, something that I've learned after one year of doing this show, and that is that clearly I have some sort of golden touch. So many guests of the show meet with some type of career success or achievement after appearing on My American Melting Pot. So I'm not saying it's me exactly. I'm just saying that they must be getting sprinkled with some melting pot magic. You want proof? Here we go. One. Layla Lalamy's book, The Other Americans, that we talked about on episode 21, was nominated for a National Book Award. Boom. Proof number two. Tembi Locke's memoir, From Scratch, is being turned into a TV series on Netflix starring Zoe Saldana and being produced by Reese Witherspoon and Zoe Saldana herself. Now, if you remember, From Scratch was our first selection in the My American Melting Pot Book Club, and Tembi Locke appeared on the podcast on episode 14. And just in case you forgot, I did call this happening. I said, this book is going to be turned into a movie and Reese Witherspoon is going to produce. If you don't believe me, check the tape. Number three, Gail Lukasek. Gail was on episode number four, and she came on the show to talk about her memoir, White Like Her. In White Like Her, she was talking about her mother who passed as a white woman, even though she was Black. Soon after she appeared on the show, Gail announced that her book had been optioned for a movie deal. Number four. Yeah, the hits keep on coming. Tamar Herman. Tamar was our expert guest on episode three when we were talking about the multicultural world of Korean pop music. Soon after she appeared on the episode... She announced that she had gotten a book deal to write about K-pop global phenomenon, BTS. You're welcome. And that's not even everything. There's more. Two guests got new jobs. One guest was instrumental in getting the Crown Act passed. And one guest even launched her own new podcast. I'll put details about all these wins on the blog if you want to get more information. Now, Am I taking credit for all these great wins and achievements? No. Can I take some of the credit? I don't even think so. But I will say that there's something about this melting pot magic. So where do we go from here, melting pot community? Well, we have one more episode after this one in season three, and then we'll be taking a holiday break before we launch season four. 
If you have ideas about topics you'd like to hear on the show in our next season, please send me a message at Lori, L-O-R-I, at MyAmericanMeltingPot.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, pitch me, also at Lori at MyAmericanMeltingPot.com. If you'd like to advertise your product or service on the show, hit me up with those ideas too. Now that we've been producing this show for a year, we are totally ready to take it up a notch and bring on advertisers and sponsors. So let me know what you got. Now, before I let you go, now, before I let you go, I have a challenge question for you. Since it's our anniversary, I thought I would give back to some of you, especially for all of you loyal listeners. Have you noticed that excluding the two Black in Spain special episodes, we've only had female guests on the show? That wasn't part of my original plan, but after a while, I realized why not be intentional in amplifying women's voices? I'm not saying I won't ever have male guests on the show, but I like doing my part in sharing the mic with super smart women. So the challenge question, despite what I just said, I did have one male guest on the show, not including the Black in Spain episodes, for a chance to win a melting pot gift pack delivered straight to your door just in time for the holidays, send me an email at lori at myamericanmeltingbot.com with the name of the one male guest from the first year of the show. Send me his name and the episode. Answers must be sent by December 2nd, 2019 by 5 p.m. And sorry, this only applies to listeners in the United States. So, that's it, Melting Bot community. I really hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane for our one-year anniversary. I still can't believe it's been one year. I remember recording the first episode like it was yesterday. I was so nervous. Thank you all for listening and supporting me and supporting the show. I appreciate every single download and word of encouragement you've sent my way. If you feel like sending me an anniversary gift, thanks for asking, write me a review. It's exactly what I want. Today's show notes will be available as usual on myamericanmeltingpot.com. You can also always check the blog for fresh new melting pot content every week. For more melting pot content and to find out important information like what hairstyle I'm currently rocking or how old my grandmother is, or a recommendation for a good book with diverse characters for you or your kids, follow me on Instagram at MyAmericanMeltingPot. And yes, we're on Facebook sharing the latest and greatest multicultural news items that you wish you had known sooner. Episode 22 of My American Melting Pot was recorded at WRTI Studios in Philadelphia. Our editor and producer is Brad Linder. Our sound engineers are Joe Patty, Tyler McClure, and Paul Marchesani. And our theme music was composed by Sumi Tanoka. And since it's our anniversary, I want to thank my team, Brad, Joe, Tyler, Paul, Sumi, and Darian, who is off living her best professional podcast life in New York City. I couldn't have done any of this without you. Thank you, Team Melting Pot. And thank you all for listening. And always remember to live your life in color. Mm-hmm.